This is the recap, a review of the day's news in the Tri-States area for Wednesday, January 17, 2024. With Tri-States Public Radio News, I'm Mike Murray. A state task force is in the early stages of creating a cohesive history of the Underground Railroad in Illinois. Tri-States Public Radio's Jane Carlson reports. The Illinois Underground Railroad Task Force was formed by legislation last year. Its goal is to connect existing projects with new ones to enhance educational and tourism opportunities related to that history. Senator Jill Tracy is one of the lawmakers on the task force. Her district includes parts of West Central Illinois where slaves passed through on their way to freedom. Many thought that if you escaped slavery to a, a free state, that that would be the end of it. And in fact, it wasn't. And the stories of, of bravery and uh, endurance from those that were freedom seekers and those that protected them is just incredible. Communities, descendants, and historians across the state will be asked to contribute to the project. The task force expects to deliver its findings to the governor and general assembly later this year on how best to bring this part of the state's history to light. I'm Jane Carlson. Burlington residents who want to know more about their city government can apply to the City Academy. The Academy is a free eight-week series of classes on how the city operates. This year, the classes will be from 3 to 5 on Thursday afternoons starting February 22nd. Participants will meet at a different city facility every week to learn more about key functions, daily operations, and budgets. More information is on the city's website. A former Illinois governor wants to undo a little publicized change lawmakers made last spring in state tax law. Illinois Public Radio's Dave McKinney reports. Since 2012, the state's standard exemption for 11 million Illinoisans has inched higher because it was tied to inflation. But after inflation skyrocketed, state lawmakers quietly paused an increase in that widely used tax credit while also funding pay increases for themselves. Former Governor Pat Quinn wants it restored in time for the upcoming tax filing deadline. It's got to be corrected. There's something wrong here. It's really uh, unfair to everyday people to see their taxes go up while politicians raise their pay and give themselves cost of living increases. The legislature's move last spring cost a family of four $39. This is Dave McKinney. The Warren County Sheriff's Office is asking people to be mindful of snow removal operators as they continue to dig out from last week's storm. They say while state highways are relatively clear, other roads might still be impassable or difficult to drive on because of hard-packed snow and ice. The Sheriff's Office responded to 60 calls to help stuck or stranded motorists from Friday to Tuesday morning. Top health officials in Iowa say the governor's proposal to merge the state's mental health and substance use treatment systems is a once-in-a-generation opportunity. Iowa Public Radio's Katerina Sestarek reports. Governor Kim Reynolds says she wants to merge Iowa's 13 mental health and 19 substance use service regions into just seven unified behavioral health districts. Department of Health and Human Services Director Kelly Garcia presented the plan to lawmakers Tuesday. And I really do believe today that we're at a bit of a call to action moment. That's true nationally, 
uh, the need for behavioral health services is outpacing what every state really is able to give at this point in time. Health officials say the new behavioral health system would help get rid of redundancies, provide a clear way for Iowans to access services, and put unused funding toward unmet needs. Garcia says the proposal is also part of the state's work on settlement negotiations in a class action lawsuit over a lack of care for kids with severe mental health needs. I'm Katerina Sestarek, IPR News. Henry Louis Gates says he wants to help young people reconnect with learning again through their own family histories. Gates is the host of PBS's Finding Your Roots. He says he wants to use genealogy to inspire young kids. Students would trace their own DNA and create their family trees. And while they send the test tube away and wait for their results, then we're going to teach them about the double helix and about DNA and about how science works. Who wouldn't be interested in this curriculum? Gates was the keynote speaker at the annual Peoria MLK luncheon. He says the new curriculum will be named the Martin Luther King Genealogical Curriculum and will be taught in inner-city schools. A federal judge has ruled that Iowa's law requiring boards and commissions to have an equal number of men and women is unconstitutional. U.S. District Court Judge Stephanie Rose wrote that it violates the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. Governor Kim Reynolds is asking lawmakers to repeal Iowa's gender balance law this year. In today's feature, the practice of canning food is not a widespread necessity anymore. Most fresh fruits and vegetables are available at the grocery store year-round. But over the last few years, home canning has gained popularity. Harvest Public Media's Lily Halloran has this report on the history of canning and how it's making a comeback. In the 1800s, canning was done in the home, primarily by women. They preserved surplus peas, peaches, corn, and other acidic foods in glass jars, storing them on shelves to eat throughout the year. But the 20th century brought federal food safety regulations, two world wars, and lots of cultural change. Canned goods moved from home kitchens to grocery store shelves as consumers gained confidence in commercial canning. A simple idea, but one of great promise. When industrial canning reached its peak in the 1950s, industry leaders were selling it as progress. We refer to it, and rightly so, as the miracle of the can. Then the 1960s brought the feminist movement and changed the relationship between women and food preparation. Americans wanted convenience. But now, canning has come home again. People who have the extra time and money are showing off their pantries full of colorful glass jars on Instagram. The hashtag canning has over 960 million views on TikTok. It's become more of an edutainment for many people. That's food historian Suzanne Corbett. She says canning has shifted from a vital skill in the kitchen to an at-home hobby. There's so much fast food and pre-processed food and that have kind of pushed that convenience factor to a situation where our cooking has become performance art in your own home. People tend to return to canning when things get scary, according to Claire Schmidt, a folklorist at Missouri Valley College. She points to the 2008 recession and the COVID pandemic. For Schmidt's family, 2020 was a time when trips to the grocery store were rare, and they were looking for ways to stay positive okay, your school's closed and everything is weird and the radio is talking about people dying, but hey, we've got canned peaches and so things aren't all that bad. Americans left lockdown and returned to work, 
but canning remains popular. In the last year, Jenna Smith taught more food preservation classes than ever before. A nutrition and wellness educator for the Illinois Extension, she says her students arrive with different experience levels. A grandparent may have taught them, or social media, which isn't such a great source, according to Smith. I just cringe sometimes at some of the videos and things that I see that are just so, you know, not safe. But no matter what inspired her students, Smith says they're eager to have more control over the food they eat. You know, actually seeing when you open up your cabinets all these beautiful jars of preserved foods, uh, that in itself, I think, is such a joy to, to many people. Some have scaled up the old school approach to canning. Kansas City Canning Company owner Tim Tuey and his workers fill glass jars with unique flavors of fruit preserves, pickles, and various vegetables. Tui says he started the company with a plan to marry traditional practices with a modern approach. He took inspiration from childhood memories of canning tomatoes with neighbors. There's a connection to the past that people can actually identify with because it has that nostalgia to it. I, you know, I, I think fondly about spending time in the garden with my dad and picking the tomatoes and spending time with Joan and Frank across the street. Tui says he frequently fields questions from customers who want to try their hand at canning. What once seemed like a dying art is alive and well. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Lily Halloran. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including Tri-States Public Radio. In the weather for our listening area for today, increasingly cloudy skies with a high in the low 20s. Wind chill values could still go as low as minus 15 degrees. Southwest winds 5 to 15 miles an hour will gust as high as 25 miles an hour at times. For tonight, there's a chance of snow mainly after midnight, and it should be cloudy with a steady temperature in the low 20s. For TSPR News, I'm Mike Murray. Tri-State's Public Radio is part of the NPR Network.